chapter 37, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And I want you to rest your eyes on verse number 8 in Ezekiel, chapter 37. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them all over. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the roach, the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds and breathe and breathe on these slain and they shall live passage of scripture that I want you to remember as we go through this will be, and they shall know that I am the Lord. They shall know. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, we're so grateful that you're here and we are committing ourselves to be yielded to the direction of the Spirit of God. God, we're so grateful that at any moment you can break out and your presence will overwhelm us with great joy and adoration for who you are. And now, Father, we lift up this country as we're celebrating the 4th of July, representing the independence of this country. We ask that you would continue to allow your blessings to be bestowed upon America and through America the world. We thank you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. The church said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And we are so ever, ever thankful for all that the Lord is doing. As we move towards freedom from the threat of COVID-19, we will reflect on many things that we have experienced during these past months of loss. Uh, for the graduates who matriculated from various levels of education but were unable to celebrate in-person graduations, you will remember that. Brides and grooms who had scheduled their weddings sent out the invitation list only to be forced to downsize for fear of the spread of COVID-19. I can still remember when the NBA shut down all of its arenas across the nation and professional basketball players had to compete against one another in the company of hundreds of thousands of empty seats. Thanksgiving, my favorite time of the year, and Christmas gatherings were all halted for the potential of the spread of the virus. Churches around the world and the country have shut their doors to public worship for 18 months, and some never to reopen again. The inability to gather has traumatized us, so much so that many have turned to alcohol and heavy drug use, violence. People have become angrier instead of kinder towards one another. Depression medications are being snatched off the shelf in record-breaking numbers for people who are struggling with overcoming depression. Suicide rates have skyrocketed, not just in America, but around the world. Isolation caused by the lack of gathering is traumatic. It's been traumatic. One of the things that we looked at in horror as millennials and uh, Gen Zers 
made their way to beaches without face covering. We were just appalled that they would be so selfish and inconsiderate and risk-taking to be in a position where super spreaders could occur. And yet, when we reflect on why people do those kinds of things, it's because of, the, of what separation does. When we can't gather, it's traumatic. Even God said it is not good that man should be alone. In the scripture, God has always challenged his people to gather with one another. And I was amazed as I was tracing through the things that happens when the people of God come together in one place. I had to actually stop myself. There were so many scriptures and, and blessings attached to the people of God reconnecting that uh, I limited myself to the ones that I'm going to share, the reasons why the church needs to reconnect and why we can overcome triumph over trauma by reconnection, by gathering. And one of those reasons is when we come together, we can experience a visitation of his divine presence. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in a special sense in their presence, in the midst of them. When we come together, we can experience a visitation. We can also experience edification. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is, but encouraging, edifying one another so, more, so much the more as the evil day is approaching. And so when the body of Christ comes together, we can experience edification, being built up, encouraged, and strengthened. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Somebody's feeling a little strength right now. We can also experience restoration, being made whole, being brought back into a, a right relationship through rededication. And so uh, Joel talks about a day when the people of God will all get together where their hearts have been grafted with the word of God. And they are now in a position of right relation. So we can be people who are who have strayed away can be restored. Coming together is an opportunity for restoration. It's also a time of expectation. The Bible says that 120 of them gathered in the upper room together, assembled as one, praying and waiting for the promise of the coming Holy Spirit. There was a time of expectation. The apostle Peter was in prison and it looked like he was definitely going to die, just like the apostle James had been, had been executed by, by the leadership in Jerusalem. But the Bible says that the children, the people of God, gathered in a home where Mary, a house owned by Mary, and they prayed as they assembled together, and God moved and supernaturally delivered Peter. It's a place of expectation. It's a place where the people of God, after Peter and John had been beaten by the religious leaders, they left and they gathered in a room, the people of God, and the scripture says that they prayed that God would give them boldness and that he would fill them with the spirit. And as they prayed, gathered together, assembled as one, in one place, the scripture says that the foundation of the place where they were began to shake and they were all filled with the spirit of God. There's something very, very special about the church of God gathering. It's a place of, of confirmation. It's a place where God's will and call on your life is affirmed by the church leadership and, and by the members who have watched you through the laying on of hands, as, as, as Paul said to Timothy, through the laying on the hands of the elders, we have confirmed God's gifts on your life. So get busy serving. Don't doubt because the church gathered Witness this confirmation. We didn't determine your gift. We simply confirmed and affirmed, and that's what happens when the church gets together. There's a confirmation that can occur of the will of God. The church can also, in terms of the reason why we gather together, is a time of petitioning God. The scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, and first of all, when you gather, I urge you to petition.
petition God for all who are in authority. And so when the church comes together, we can pray, we can petition the very throne room of God for that which is occurring on earth. Gathering is a time of petition, a time of confirmation, a time of expectation. It's also a time of celebration. That's why we come to de- together. David says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Not by, I, it's okay. I can enjoy the Lord by myself, but it's something special when the children of God can magnify, lift up the name of the Lord together. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us, let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34, verse 3. David said, let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Let's come together with thanksgiving on our lips. When we come together as a corporate body of Christ in one place, it's a time of, it's party time. Somebody ought to just praise him right now. Somebody ought to just celebrate that he's here. I am in the midst. He's here. He's here. He's here. Time of celebration. The church coming together, the reason we do, is also a time of transition and separation. Oh, I would love for this to happen when the church was gathered in one place. The Bible said, and the trumpet of the Lord will sound, and the dead in Christ will be snatched up, caught up, transition or translation. We will be raptured, and we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be gathered together. We'll be assembled together. We will be reconnected to be with the Lord forevermore. And Paul said, comfort yourselves with these words that we're coming back together. It's a time of translation and separation. The wheat shall be separated from the tare and the goat from the sheep. It's a time of divine judgment. The books will be open. Coming together is a time where God does supernatural things, but here's the one I like the most, and I'm going to stop with this one. The reason why we come together in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 12 through 13, Moses is dead. God has chosen his successor in the person of Joshua, and here's what the Lord says to Joshua. Call them all together. The Lord instructed Joshua, men, women, children, and foreigners living amongst you, to hear the word, the law of God, and to learn his will so that you will reverence the Lord your God and obey his law. Do this so that your children who have not known these laws will hear them and learn how to revere the Lord your God as long as you're living in the land of promise. And so we come together for the purpose of revelation. The Bible says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in revelation. We worship is in response to accurate exegesis of the word of God. And so we come together for revelation so that we will learn the law of God to obey his law. And as I'm learning and obeying, I will learn also how to fear him. We come together to learn how to fear God as we are taught divine revelation. Somebody say amen. There's just a special thing about coming together. You don't know what God might break out. You don't know what might happen. When you come together with the people of God, there's just something about being in the presence of our sisters and brothers, receiving revelation, confirmation, transition, and all of the other benefits God does special things. Now, as you and I have had to deal with the trauma of separation for 18 months, the nation of Israel, when we come to Ezekiel 37, they are in the throes of something far more severe than COVID-19, than a pandemic. They have been taken, the southern tribe of Israel, the tribe of Judah, has been taken into captivity, as was prophesied by Jeremiah In Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, because of disobedience, they have been taken into captivity. And this captivity has a time frame, but it's a 70-year period of separation from Jerusalem, where the temple of God is, 
And now, now the people of God can't gather. Can you imagine? Wanting to go to church, but you can't go. And this is the 70 year. This was during the time when people, uh, 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 Jews like Ezekiel was taken from Judah and, and, and Jerusalem, taken out. And the temple of Solomon was leveled to the ground. The magnificent temple of Solomon ruined and all of the treasures taken to Babylon. Read about that in Daniel chapter 1. And this is when Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were a part of that choice group of young boys that were forcibly taken away from Jerusalem. And, and so here they are in a foreign country, given new names, forced to learn a new language, and, 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 and being manipulated into believing a, a, a false cultic religion, which they did not submit to. But guess what they did? They prayed every day. But they prayed in a very specific way. They prayed facing the east. They prayed facing the temple, the house of God, where the people of God had been able to gather. They longed for that day for sweet fellowship where there would be reconnection with God's people in God's house. So they couldn't go there, but they looked towards that place where one day their longing would be satisfied and they would again be able to come together right now. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. 70 years of separation. During this time of separation, the Bible says in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 37, the hand of the Lord, the hand of Jehovah, came upon Ezekiel, and he brought him out in the spirit, in the roach of the Lord and set him down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. I'm going to answer some questions as we go through this passage because I want you to know that we are in a place of dryness. We are in a place where death spiritually is in our midst. And sometimes until the Lord's hand is upon us, we can't see it. But it was when the Lord's hand was heavy upon Ezekiel, he was able to see what he otherwise would not have seen. Now, why were the people of God separated in the first place? God's view of his people that could not gather because was because of sin. Sin. Daniel talks about this in Daniel chapter 1, and it says, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into the hand, into the Nebuchadnezzar's hands, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. It was the Lord, not the Babylonian army, even though it was the most mighty empire of its time at that time. But the scripture says the Lord delivered. And he delivered them because... In Jeremiah chapter 8, we learned that the people of God had turned from him and they were worshiping idols. They were actually offering up their children as sacrifices to false gods. So I would never do that. Well, we worship gods all the time. Sometimes it's our credit card. Sometimes it's entertainers. Sometimes it's sports Figure. Sometimes it's our children. Sometimes it's our, it's our dreams and aspirations. Whatever I put above God, that's my idol. And God said, I'm a jealous God. I will not share my glory. And I believe we are in the throes of divine judgment and, and we're in a valley of dry bones because we have turned away from God, from the creator to the things that he has created. Because God said, if my people who are called by my name, if we would humble ourselves, so why he would heal our hand? Why is our land healed? Because my people who are called by, well, if they get it together. No, no, God said, he didn't say get it together in Washington. He said, get it together in my house. If my people who are called by my name, my name, would humble themselves and turn from their sin, turn from their sins. They would hear from heaven. I would heal their land. I would heal their land. This is a spiritual problem we're facing in our country. The Bible says that the Lord's hand 
Now, what happened to Ezekiel as he opened his eyes to the plight of God's people that had been separated and unable to meet in the house of God because of sin? The scripture says that the hand, the hand, the hand of God, that's equivalent to saying that the power of the Lord overpowered Ezekiel. Whatever Ezekiel had been doing, he had to stop. Because the hand, the power, the pen represents the power of God. And, and, and the power of God, when his hand is upon us, he works through his spirit. Because we know that God is spirit. So we're not going to see his hand. Sometimes his hand is upon us because he's whipping our chest. Let me say it like that, chastising us. <laughs> but other times, like in this instance, God's hand was on Ezekiel. And here's the interesting thing about the power and the hand of God on Ezekiel's life and on our life. When the hand of God is on us, God is in control, but we still can stop the control of God by not cooperating with the move of his hand. You see, Ezekiel said the hand of God. He knew. He was conscious of what was happening, that God was, you know how you, you're having a technical problem with your computer and you call the technician and they say, we're going to take control of your computer. They can take control, but you can still move your mouse. God can, his hand can come upon us and, 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 and you don't recognize it's his hand and, and you start trying to help God out. The good news is Ezekiel cooperated with the power of God Sometimes we get afraid, and I have to tell you, there are times when I'm afraid to just let God's hand be upon me, to take me places that are uncharted. And I want you to understand something, that God is not a gentleman. God is not trying to make us comfortable. We, we, we ain't in heaven yet. And so sometimes we resist the move of the hand of God. Because when God is moving, we're not in control. He is in control. But I want you to understand that when God is in control, supernatural things can happen. Until he's in control, nothing that is supernatural will happen. Samson was under the hand of God when he took the jawbone of an ass and he slew a thousand Philistines. It was when Elijah was under the control of the hand of God, the power of God, he was, out, he was able to outrun horses and chariots. He was able to call down fire from heaven. He was able to call down rain and, and tell the same rain to stop, and it stopped for three and a half. When you are under the hand of God's power, supernatural things can happen. Deacon Stephen was the first martyr in, in Acts chapter 7, the Bible says that they stoned him for his witness for Jesus Christ. And as they were taking his life, he was looking into heaven, and the very curtains of heaven opened up to him. And he was able to see Jesus, who's always seated at the right hand of the Father. He didn't sit down as Stephen is being martyred. The Bible said he stood up, and Stephen was able, oh, when the hand of God is upon you. Stephen was able to say, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. As the breath was departing from his, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The apostle Peter, when the hand of God was upon him, he could walk by the sick and his very shadow would heal them. When the hand of God is upon you, supernatural signs and wonders will occur. That's why the devil don't want the hand of God to be upon us. Oh, I defy any Christian, any church that would just get out of the way and let God be in control. Oh, I know we're surrounded by dry bones. I know we're in a dead and dry place. But if the hand of God could just get a hold of our lives and our minds and we simply surrender to him. Oh, we can reconnect in ways that God will not only visit us through visitation, my spirit will be in the midst when you're together. There will be a habitation where God's presence will reside. Yeah. Now, 
Where was Ezekiel taken? He was actually in Babylon when the hand of the Lord came upon him. And the interesting thing, this was a vision. He never left Babylon, but he did leave. You ever been driving, and you see everything in front of you, but you ain't really driving. You ain't there. Now, I ain't telling you to close your eyes and under. No, 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 we're not. But a vision, God, I still believe that God gives vision. It will always agree with his word. He ain't giving no new vision that contradicts scripture. And don't be waiting for a vision when you already know what God said. Well, when I get a vision, here's the vision, this word. The apolupsis. The revealed. He was in Babylon, but God took him to another place in the spirit. He carried him in the spirit to a place, a valley that was filled with bones. Can you vision that? A valley that was filled with bones. And the Lord set the prophet down in the middle of those bones in that valley And he was surrounded by separation. All the bones were separated. They were disjointed. They were fractures. How many of you know that bones cannot function properly as God intended for them to when they're separated? I hear Paul saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are the body of Christ. And and when the body stays separated, we can't function and if one of our bones is separated from another bone, we call that a fracture. Something is broken, and it needs to be fixed. And so when we talk about reconnection, we're talking about coming together for that which has been fractured by the pandemic to be restored. When bones come together, they can function the way God intended. Isn't it interesting that when God hand was upon Ezekiel, he put him right in the middle of all this deadness. I want you to know that it's not a mistake that we are in a crazy time in the world. We're in the valley of dry bones. And what the Lord says, I have placed a witness for myself in the middle of all of this. And it's this witness that I placed would let their light so shine before this darkness, before this dryness, men will be caused to see our good works and glory. So the church is in the middle of these dry bones. You put the preacher right there. Well, if we could just go to church, we know we could just stay in our houses and, and we could just keep on watching. No, no, no. The Lord didn't save us to keep the message in house. But he made the house so that he says that we will be equipped to do the work of the ministry. He has placed us in the world to reach the world in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until until the uttermost parts of the earth. We have to witness to the world. Jesus became flesh, and he tabernacled among us. And the Bible says we looked, we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus rubbed shoulders with the world. He put the preacher in the middle of the circle where all of this deadness, people don't respect authority, where racism is as rampant as it's ever been, where people are denying their identity as God has predetermined. And we have a legal judicial system that is working on behalf of those things that God says, suppress the truth. The same God who says the truth is being held down says that my wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Same God says, I've given them over. I've given them over. And that's a whole nother sermon. But so he 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 was in a place transferred by the Spirit of God that put him in the midst of dryness and deadness. Stay with me. Now, how did the Lord cause Ezekiel to see what he saw when he looked at the condition of the nation of Israel? The nation of Israel 
was in bondage, as I said, 70 years of captivity, and Ezekiel was one of the captives. But he could not see what God saw until his, the hand of God. I pray to God that you will learn how to be so available to the liberty of the Spirit of God that you will, when you see what God wants you to, what, what God sees, you will see the same thing. It's like Elijah prayed for his servant. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see that they that are for us. How did God cause him? He, the Bible says, then he caused me to pass by them all around. And here's the picture. The, the tense of this Hebrew phrase is pass meant that he kept having him circle the bone. Circle the bones. We discovered that the bones were old. They were dead. The bones had been dead for a long time. They were dry bones. The bones, because they were dead and dry and had been there for a long time, they were unable. What can a dead thing do for itself? They were unable to change their condition. I want you to know the Bible says that the, that, that, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not. People who are lost are not nearsighted. They're not farsighted. They don't need vision correction. They're blind. They're blind. A blind person can't see. Paul said we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We were dead in trespassing. We're dead spiritually. So in order for us to see that, the Lord said, I want you as a church, as a believer, to take the blinders off of your eyes and see what I see. This place that he was looking at was a massive grave site of thousands of bodies that had died on the battlefield. It's one thing to die fighting for what you believe is right. In this case, they died because they were fighting for idols. They were fighting in disobedience to God, and God said they wasn't going to win. But it's an entirely different thing to suffer the indignity of not having your body buried. One of the most sacred things to a Jew is the body. So after, when a Jew dies within 24 hours, they're trying to get that body in the grave. They're not embalming. They're wrapping the body. They're, they're oiling it. The body is sacred. They do Shabbat. They, they pray over the body for 24 hours. They protect it because somehow spirits can get They got all kinds of rituals for bodies that die. These bodies were left on the battlefield, never buried, exposed to the elements, devoured by animals. And all that is left are dry bones, bleached by the blazing heat of the sun. And God says to the prophet in verse 2, he said, can these bones live again? He didn't watch this. I can imagine being in a graveyard and none of the bodies in the grave. I don't know how light it was. It might have been just twilight, you know, sun going down. And it didn't say no birds in there. I don't know. Maybe vultures still. I don't know. But the vultures don't tend to hang around when there ain't no meat. But, but Ezekiel was, was some fresh meat. So I, I don't know what, what else was going on. But these were, this, was, this was a graveyard. I don't know about you. When I walk about around, go to graves, when I'm committing people's bodies to the ground, I'm always overtaken by the sacredness of death. Thousands of people buried in the ground. These were not people buried in the ground. These were people that lost their lives and were not allowed to even be buried. And the prophet, when he was asked, can these bones live again? I don't know if the question went through his mind. If I don't get this answer right, I might be like some of these dry bones. I mean, maybe they answered it wrong. <laughs> he said, only you alone know God. The reason I believe God asked the prophet the question, and he's asking the same question, can this country be saved? Can we be turned back to God? The two things that I believe that God would have us to learn is that the truth is only he can make dead things alive again. Yes. Only God can truly mend that which is broken. Yes. 
That's the first thing. That's why God asked the question. I want, only you alone, God knows. That's right. Only God can resurrect dead things. We can plan all kinds of how we're going to save the climate and how we're going to rescue the people that are in Miami. We got all kinds of plans. But when you find them, if they're dead, you can't do nothing but bury them. Only God alone. But not only is it his and his alone, Ability to raise that which is dead and broken and fix it. We will know when he does that there is a God that is to be worshipped. When God does it, we will give him the glory. He will get the credit. You, God can't do anything really significant until we get that settled in our mind. You need to understand, God, we can't fix this. We can't make it work. We, can't, we ain't smart enough. But God alone, if he fixes it and we recognize it by putting it at his feet, then this same God will get the glory that he rightfully deserves. You will know that there is. God, by the time all this is done, all the water drying up in California, the glaciers melting in the, in the Antarctic, tornadoes everywhere, our children, what is going, what's, what's ahead for them? We better be bringing them to God. We need to, we can't buy them another video game and make them get in the best school. If you don't have a place to live, that's why folks trying to go to the moon. They, they know, they see what's going, they see the handwriting on the wall. But God already said, in the last days, these things shall be. Now, how does God reconnect the broken and, and bring to life those things that are dead? He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear what the philosophy of man. Hear what the politicians are saying down in Washington. He said, hear the word of the Lord. And then he tells them what the word of the Lord said. Thus saith the Lord. The word of the Lord is not the word of the Lord just because you said it. It must be thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. You shall live. Say, you shall live. And I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall live. Uh, then you shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know that I am the Lord. Here's how God brings dead things back to life. He brings dead things back to life. You with me? Amen, amen, amen. Yes, yes. Here's what God does. He uses people. He uses people. Say he uses people. You still with me? He said to me, he said to me, God uses people to bring dead and broken things back together. Ezekiel said, he said to me, God didn't need Ezekiel. He don't need you and me. Jesus said, if, the, if these children don't cry out, the rocks will. God can use a rock. When he spoke something into existence from nothing, it was just God. He said, let that be. And the inherent power in his word, as he spoke, life came into existence. Oh, Lord. He just said it, and it was. He don't need you and me. But he uses people. Aren't you glad? God uses people that preach his word. He says, say, say to them, Say to them what thus said. He uses me. And that's the thing. I'm thinking about what's going on in this world. Why, how do we answer the challenge for the day? Say what God said. It still works. 
The church is becoming more and more political, and we 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 accommodating the world, and that's how we're gonna stay. No, no. Jesus said, "I will build my church, and the very gates of hell will not overpower it. Just speak the word." God uses people that speak his word to prove that it can do whatever he promises. Whenever, when God says, so shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth, it will never return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please and prosper. Where unto I said, what God is saying, I'm putting my reputation behind this. Whatever I say will happen based on my word, it has to happen because I'm true and my truth is backed up by my power. And so when he says, tell them they shall, if God said they shall, guess what? Um, let, me, let, me, let me give you a real sophisticated answer. Let me give you one of these theological answers. Guess what, what, what's going to happen if he said they shall? They shall. <laughs> they shall. Because God's reputation is tied in his word. Here's another thing that God does to reconnect that which is broken and separated and dead. He uses obedient people that trust his word. Ezekiel said, he told me to preach and I prophesied. I did. It's as simple as that. If we would simply do, thus said the Lord, he told us to share. We know that. We don't have no problem with the answer. Our problem is with the action. Be ye what? Doers of what? The word, not hearers only. And so Ezekiel said, I did it. Now, what happens when broken and dead things hear God's word? I want, here's, here's what, here's the, is, the, the essence of this passage is this. The two things that are essential for the problems that we're facing today are the word of God and the spirit of God. When the word of God goes forth, the spirit of God follows. And where the spirit of God is, supernatural. Oh, let me, I'm not running around. Stay with me. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Woo! He said, as I prophesied, this is what happened. He said, there was a noise, suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together. They reconnected, bone to bone. Indeed, I looked and sent you tissue and Fibers and flesh came upon the skeleton, and the skin covered them all over, but there was no breath in them. What God's word will do is cause that which is dead to wake up. Wake up. The Bible says there was a rattling. You can't sit quiet when the word of God is going forth. You're just going, something, there's going to be some noise. You may not say amen, you, but you're going, something, something inside of you want to say amen. You, something, you may not be a hand raiser, but your feet may be, ah, you know how that is. The word of God causes a noise, a rattling. It'll cause you to wake up. I know you came to church tired, but now all of a sudden when the word of God goes forth, you just wake up, oh, the spirit of God in us. The word of God causes us to wait up, wait up, wait up. Well, watch this. There was a timing. There was an order. First of all, the bones reassembled. Then the sinew followed. And then from the sinew, then there was, there was flesh. It didn't all happen at once. Now, God could have done it like that because the Bible said he formed Adam from the dust of the earth. He did it all at once. But no, 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 there's an order. In other words, the way the word God works, not only does he cause us to wake up, but causes us to wait up because some plant in others water. But it is God who giveth the increase. It, it must, every, for everything, there's a season, there's a time. God's word will cause us to wait up. The word of God will cause us to join up. The Bible said they gathered I'm, I'm convinced that we're going to have more people in this church than we ever had because the word of God is going forth. 
And when the word of God is going forth, I'm telling you, you can enjoy, enjoy it where you are. But, but, but there's nothing like being in the house of God under the power of the word of God. It'll make you want to be with your sisters, make you want to be with your brothers. Because when all of God's children get together, somebody help me. When all of God's children get together, somebody ought to praise the Lord that one day when we were lost, he thought enough of us because of his love. He, he reached down in his love through his son Jesus, and he saved me. Who did he save? Me, a wretch undone. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so, oh, I just want to praise him right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I was lost on my way to a Christless. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The word of God will cause you to get up. So I prophesied and command, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood upon their feet, an exceeding army. So the word of God will cause you to stand up. I remember the man who was born lame, and he was at the pool of Bethesda. The Lord said, do you want to walk? And he came up with all these excuses. But before he could walk, he had to stand. <laughs> Some of us haven't stood. <laughs> and that's blessed is the man who walked in the county of Ungali. He said, the word of God will cause you to stand. The word of God will give you some backbone, give you some conviction, give you the ability to draw near into God and to resist the devil. He caused, the word caused the body to stand once the spirit came into it. But the word of God also caused the body that stood up to stand up, to stand, to become a mighty army. A mighty army. Can you imagine if the church came together under the authority of the word of God, filled with the spirit of God? What happens when you preach the word and that which is dead comes alive? The spirit of God fills that. And then the supernatural, the Bible says that the, that the nation of Israel became a mighty army. The church is God's army. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's another thing. We're almost done. Not only will the word of God cause us to stand up, to get up and wait up, but the word of God will cause us to look up. Yes. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now that you've been, been, been dead, now that you've been separated, now that you, they, they, didn't, they didn't think they're going to find something to cure COVID in, and you, you didn't know what the future was holding, and you prayed and God has brought us to this place, what it has done hopefully is caused you to look up and know that there is, there is a God. Here's the final thing. The word of God, when those who are obedient to preach what thus saith the Lord, will cause you to be filled up. The scripture says, and you will, and I will put my spirit in you, in verse 14, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. So when you hear the word and you respond in obedience, there's a special supernatural anointing that comes upon you that uh, enables you, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine because this is that's dissipation, that's dishonorable. But be filled with the Spirit. Be drunk in the Spirit. When you are drunk in the Spirit, when you're filled and controlled by the hand of God being on you, you can do things you never thought you would do. You can, you can quote scripture you didn't even know you remembered. You can stand in the face of the devil and say, get thee behind me and the enemy has to flee. You can call out demons and, and demons will flee. You can speak over the sick and the sick will be healed. You can pray over marriages that were dying and the marriages that were heading for the graveyard of divorce will be restored. He said, I will fill you with my spirit. That's what happens when the word is spoken over that which is dead. I shared with you all some time ago Stand with me. Came home one day, tired, long day. Brother Tim, anyway, there's a blue mark on the ground. Some of the folks that work for the water company. I didn't know who put that blue mark on my ground. I just knew defacing my property. So now I got an issue. I'm trying to figure out who did this? Who had the audacity to circle this 
bright blue. So I'm trying to figure out if it was Comcast, if it was the electric company and so forth. So I said, let me go in and get a glass of water. Let me just get myself together. Turn the water on, no water. So I'm saying, there must be a water outage in the community. So I called Artesian. I said, uh, is there a water? He said, no, Mr. Benson, there's no water outlet. I said, well, I don't have any water. He said, because your water has been shut off. What is all that? What, what, whatever happened here? They said, well, you failed to pay your bill in a timely fashion. They seem happy about it. I don't know what makes people that tell you your stuff cut off. I said, well, can you come back and turn it on? Oh, no. We won't be in the office until tomorrow. She said, by the way, there was a notice on your door. I don't know if you saw it. You need to read the word. Read the word. Read the notice. So I'm like, man, I want, I want, I want to just get unsanctified. I, I just want to say something. Like they click before I could even get started. But guess what? The first thing that morning, I think they opened at 8 o'clock. I was there at 15 of 8. First person in line with my notice that I read in my hand and a check ready to be signed. <laughs> and once I submitted to the word, I was able to get connected to the power source. And once the power source was reconnected to my house, then the fluid of the water, the flow, was released. <laughs> I want you to know that some of us have gotten some shutoff notices. You don't even know you shut off. You don't even know that the Spirit of God is not, His hand is not on your life. You don't understand that you don't see the way God sees because your thoughts are not His thoughts and your ways are not His ways. But if you just check out the, you check out the notice I called the Word of God. And you simply get in His Word and you get the check. The check is your obedience. And when I obey what God has said in His Word, He will open up the floodgates of heaven and the Spirit of God will come forth. And that which was dead will live again. Somebody say reconnect. Come on, reconnect. Come on, somebody that's listening to me online, say reconnect. Reconnect. The word of God will release the spirit of God so this hand will be upon you to do great and mighty things. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We love you, oh God. Thank you for this precious word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for not giving up on us. Father, thank you for releasing that responsibility to your church. You put us in the middle of dry bones. And yes, these bones will live again if we proclaim your word and allow the Spirit of God to be released. In Jesus' name, amen. And